0: Welcome back, besties. It's another episode of the Spooky Rip Jean Mom. I hope everyone had a great rest of your week and weekend. <laughs> I know I said that this um, would be out by Thursday. And here we are. Um, Sunday night, about to post it for Monday. Um, life happens. And work and baby... And family life honestly got ahead of me. And so I wasn't able to record until now. Um, But other than that with working there hasn't been much going on. I will say that I started um, posting on my TikTok. I haven't really posted anything about uh, true crime or the podcast. It's really honestly just been outfit of the days, like quick little videos. Um, But my TikTok is at p uh, P kennedy with two y's um at the end of kennedy and then my instagram is p dot kennedy with two y's and then my instagram for this podcast so you can see pictures of the murders the trials detectives just putting faces to names that is the spooky underscore ripped jean mom on instagram um, and for plugs, that's about it. But don't be afraid to like and review any of these, whether you listen on iTunes or Spotify. It really honestly helps get the podcast out there um, so more people end up listening to it. Um, and like I said, nothing much happened this week. It just work. So I guess since there's really nothing to catch you up on, we're going to jump right in to part two of of Colorado, Scott Lee Kimball. In this one, we're gonna talk about, um, like, the apprehension, prosecution, stuff like that, but I do want to say, if you have children, this podcast is probably not for them. This is my trigger warning for that, because I cuss, we talk about some kind of dark things, obviously, um, and I kind of just, like, go off the rails. So, If this is a podcast that you have to listen to away from your kids, use me as mommy or daddy alone time. There we go. Perfect. Um, So let's jump right into it. Remember, we're talking about Scott Lee Kimball. So by the end of 2005, Scott and Lori's marriage was over. He was hardly home, didn't show interest in finding Casey anymore, and... made Lori feel just really bad about herself. She did believe that he was having an affair with some woman in California because that was where he was traveling to more and more. During the summer of 2005, Scott had called the police, alleging domestic violence and leading to Lori's arrest both times. Lori tried explaining that both calls were made up by Scott so he could move another woman into their house. By the fall, he moved out and rented a small house in Lafayette, Colorado. He talked his new girlfriend into buying him a gun because he was a felon so he could not buy one himself he told her he'd teach her how to hunt but as soon as he bought it for him she never saw the rifle again typical in january of 2006 an optometrist in lafayette hadn't had a bank statement in a while and when he went to the bank and found out Um, It was because in three weeks, $33,000 had been deposited into his account and $55,000 was written in checks, but mostly to Scott's beef company, which he shared a nearby office with, his mother's insurance agency. Security footage actually saw, like this was from the bank, saw Scott making deposits. Police investigated, but couldn't do much because Scott had actually left the state. Barb told um, Detective Gary Thatcher that they had seen the optometrist mail on his desk. When they searched Scott's office, they saw how Scott was able to steal the mail as well as practice signatures and fake subpoenas to Lori in the garbage. Scott had also used an altered version of his mother's notary stamp to forge a lien release on a car that he had severely damaged in an accident the month before. At Scott's home, he found a trailer that he had collected a $10,000 insurance payment because he had reported it stolen. Detective Thatcher went to talk to Lori. She called him on speaker um, so Detective Thatcher could actually hear her and what he was saying. And she claimed that she was in the bathroom at their house. Um, and she also lied to Scott about the police being there. Scott asked her to get some work mail and then he ended the call. Lori told the detective that Scott worked for the FBI and that that was the first time the detective had heard any of that. This led to him believing that Scott was impersonating an agent to sell his scams. Lori also told the detective that Casey's dis- about Casey's disappearance and how she believed that Scott was actually involved. After investigating more, the detective that led That was led to talk to other detectives in Louisville near Boulder, Colorado. uh, To talk about an accident with Justin. I don't know if that made any sense. My thoughts. Um, So, Detective Thatcher was sent to Louisville to talk to other detectives about the accident that had occurred with Justin. Um, Because in the previous episode, I talked about how... uh, Scott pushed his own son out of the car while he was going 60 miles per hour. And then hit him over the head with a metal grate. Uh, And how Justin was like, how could my dad do this to me? So that was that. Um, So in March, Detective Thatcher called the FBI and gave them a heads up about Scott impersonating an FBI agent. And then they actually sent Detective Thatcher to talk to Carl Schlaff. Who was sarcastic about the whole thing. But Carl did tell Detective Thatcher about how Jennifer was missing after being seen with Scott. And Detective Thatcher told him about how Casey was missing. And this is when Carl finally put two and two together. And they both realized that Scott might actually be a serial killer. Hmm. Would not have guessed that all the people that are around him go missing. Hmm. Would never have put that together. Detective Thatcher and another FBI agent, Johnny Grusing, met to build a case against Scott, and they still didn't know where he was. They were prepping an arrest warrant for violating his probation when Brett Kimball told them that Scott, which was his brother, gave him guns, which would have been illegal for Scott to have because, again, he's a felon. And his brother getting the guns would not have been an illegal way. And with this, the FBI was able to put out a warrant for his arrest immediately. Lori gave them Scott's new cell phone number and the FBI traced it to a neighborhood in Riverside, California, where he was living with his new girlfriend. The FBI let the local police know that they'd be serving a warrant. Scott left his, left in his pickup um, March 14th and it was followed by federal marshals in an unmarked car. So ironically Scott was listening to Rockstar by Nickelback which I am in the unpopular opinion um, side of this but I don't mind Nickelback. I actually really like Nickelback. I get down to some Nickelback okay but now I think I need to do some self-evaluation. You ever feel like that? Like you have something in common with a serial killer and you're like, who am I as a person? Um, but he listened to this song while he was trying to flee police. Um, his He called his girlfriend who tried to convince him to turn himself in. So good on her. Good job, girl. But then he told her he couldn't because he knew things that the police would kill him to keep from telling anyone. Which like... What would that be? Because you've been faking being a police officer. He led them through Riverside, through California or Coachella Valley, through the Salton Sea, and then he finally stopped in Mecca because he ran out of gas. Then he, he in total for this whole chase, went 260 miles. He finally surrendered, which was three hours after fleeing, but he also, in this three-hour time period threatened to kill himself um while on the phone with Carl you couldn't see my face but it was definitely like the "Mm," emoji where like it's like just the mouth is like "Mm." I hope you guys can see like understand what I'm saying when I go "Mm." I hope you get a picture in your head so now that he has surrendered we are in the prosecution bit so um, Scott was taken back to Colorado for a short bit for arraignment on charges that he had there. But then back to Montana to serve time from him leaving his halfway house from several several years earlier. But Then he was also sentenced an extra two years in prison. In May, he was taken back to Colorado where he pled guilty to the weapons charge that had led to the whole arrest. He um, pled guilty to break the cycle that he was in he got 10 months in prison for the guns followed by six months in another halfway house which like the halfway house isn't working it's not working he's been in it multiple times and we keep ending back at this page how is this doing anybody any justice it's not Um, The halfway house, though, was going to be served once his Montana sentence had concluded. With all the other sentences, I gave Detective Thatcher and FBI Agent Grusing the time that they needed to build the murder case for Casey and Jennifer's disappearance, because as of right now, they can only suspect that Jennifer's dead. They've not found her body yet. Scott denied any knowledge when he interviewed in Montana, but then Larissa, his um, second wife, described had to re her rapes um but this time she suggested that at one point in their marriage he tried to poison her a former inmate and also friend of his from montana had said one night while they were drinking scott asked him if in quotations word for word if fake titties were traceable scott was visibly upset when the friend said yes so scott asked him if in quotations as a friend as a favor for a friend um would he take something from a body the friend refused but detective thatcher and fbi drink gruesing were surprised because this was really similar to what Ines had said that scott had asked him to do Ah, um, which like <laughs> you would think that it stopped there, but it didn't. Prosecutors in Boulder, Colorado, were also preparing charges against Scott for his more recent scams and any time left on previous suspended sentences and probation. So anything that he did not finish up, they were preparing charges for that. Um, But Colorado law provided for quadrupling the sentences for crimes committed by habitual criminals like Scott Um, They were still not sure they could put him in prison for the time they believed he deserved for the murders. But they did get their break when Lori, uh, Casey's mom, who had been evicted from the condo where her aunt Scott had lived after his arrest, began looking through his boxed possessions. And in one of the boxes, she found Casey's handwritten schedule for the last week she had worked at Subway. She had also begun to suspect that The supposed signs that Casey was still alive, like the necklace, the missing makeup, and the landlord sightings had been all arranged by Scott, which, as we know, she is correct. Lori went to police and their searches turned up other evidence connecting Scott to Casey's disappearance that hat from her work uniform and her personal date book. They also found a receipt for food from a supermarket in northern Colorado in a town called Walden, dated the day after Casey had been seen. A weekend when Carl had recalled being unable to reach Scott, who told him afterwards that he was scouting some terrain for some future hunting endeavors, which... As many times as Carl repeats that there were weekends he could not get a hold of Scott why wouldn't you have put two to two together pisses me off also in the boxes that laurie was going through was documentation of the yahoo email account that scott had set up and his late uncle's name terry um, and the laptop that leanne emery had bought him on the laptop they found many rape pornographic Images similar material was also on his desktop. Scott had also kept a file of newspaper clippings about Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, who will we will talk about on a n- later episode um, when we get to Kansas, about how he tortured his victims. And in one of the photographs, that really just disturbed. Uh, the detectives was a young woman who was not in any distress. She was just smiling and they believed it to be another potential victim that they didn't know about it about. And Steve Hawley identified her as Leanne Emery and told the investigators he had not heard from her since shortly after Scott's release, when he told them both to get in touch with each other. Um, I don't know if you remember in the previous episode. But Leanne was believed to be his first victim. And uh, her boyfriend was Steve Hawley. He told her. Or yeah. He had told her to get in touch with Scott. So that basically hopefully Leanne would have a friend outside. And someone she could rely on. um, Since Scott was. Or since Steve was still in prison. Um, but Leanne's also the one who kept emailing her cousin. About everything was going on. And who had named in the email Scott as Hannibal. Like as a nickname. Um, but during the interviews Scott was very evasive. Um, which is kind of what Detective Thatcher and Grusing had expected. They could not readily let on what they already knew because they didn't want to give away too much information to scott um and then when they when they pressed about casey scott did tell them one story that they had not heard before and that she had died of a drug overdose maybe on some national forest land in april of 2007 Agent Grusing went to Rutt National Forest near Walden to see whether the area would be a good place to hide a body. While buying a map, he mentioned that he was an FBI investigating a possible murder. Rangers told him that a hunter had recently found a human skull that appeared belong appeared to belong to a young woman and then DNA tests confirmed that it was Casey McLoads. With proof that at least one of the missing people um, that had last been seen in scott's like with scott um was dead so grusing and thatcher had a little bit leverage with him the prosecutors had determined that With his more recent forgeries and financial crimes, it justified a 48-year sentence when the quadrupling for his habitual offender status was taken into account. They told Scott that if he pled guilty to those charges and revealed the locations of the other three bodies, he would face only one count of second-degree murder. The sentence would run concurrently with the time for the fraud charges but if he declined he would face separate charges for all the murders which made the death penalty a possibility which in my opinion second degree murder and then serving concurrently with his other sentences um, isn't enough It is not enough for the four lives he took, especially after he told Lori multiple times that her daughter was going to come home um, when he knew, in fact, that he killed her. And in some way, that's a new level of fucked up, a whole brand new level of fucked up. Um, Scott smartly accepted the deal. After he signed, he told all the people there to prepare for a trip to Utah, where he showed them. Leanne's body outside of Moab on the way back towards Denver he revealed that that's where he buried his uncle Terry which was in Vail Pass but he was not certain where he hid Jennifer Markham's body. After several locations he identified and had it ended up turning up empty and then he concluded that he just forgot where he had in his words put her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. Investigators were doubtful, believing that he was just holding back her location for future negotiations. Um, but since only two out of the three remaining bodies had been found, there was no deal. Scott caused some disruption prior to his October 2009 sentencing. Um, when, obviously through his lawyer, he circulated what appeared to be an official FBI summaries of interviews with some of the other people that he had been associated with. They had suggested that Steve Enos had gotten immunity for telling FBI that he and Scott ran a rape porn business and that Jennifer Markham, uh, Casey Mcloyd, and Leanne Emery had been killed at the behest of drug dealers imprisoned at Inglewood whose business they had cut into by smuggling drugs into the prison on visits. Coet read a statement from Scott after his cousin pleaded guilty to all four murders and was sentenced to 70 years, blaming the FBI for pushing him into the criminal world uh, more dangerous than anything he had previously encountered without any guidance or support. The FBI later determined that the summaries had been forged by Scott during his confinement dude cannot stop committing crimes other crimes that scott committed so since scott's sentencing prosecutors investigators expressed to the media their belief that four murders he pled to were not the only ones he had committed the boulder county da stan garnett said kimball reportedly bragged to others that he killed in quotations dozens and that even that even given his gift for lying um, he, They did believe that there was truth in his bragging and in quotations from one of the DAs, he said, she said, it's hard to imagine we caught him on everything he did. Um, her name was Katharina Booth. They also believed that Scott picked the people he did because they weren't really on the basically the community's watch list they want to be people who were n- noticed when they left or when they went missing um and they were also people that police weren't going to eagerly jump on to investigate for um so with that being said Casey McLeod's dad made a really good observation that in the decade and a half that Scott was like, between Scott's first arrest and his capture, there was a lot of time where he was unaccounted for. Now, Agent Grusing observed that the speed and the ease with how Scott committed the murders, the ones that he's serving time for, he believed that this means Scott has previous experience. So, the FBI also strongly suspects Scott in two other murders. In September of 2010, the Bureau was actually investigating him as a possible suspect in, one, the murder and mutilation of Katrina Prowl. She was a young woman who lived a troubled life similar to the ones that Scott targeted. Um, She was found in Westminster and then in October of 2004, while he lived in the area under FBI supervision. Three months later, Scott told a cousin that he had been proposed as a suspect in the West Mesa murders in New Mexico, which were committed during the same period that he was living in the Denver area, but he denied involvement. Five years later, a former cellmate of Scott's at Sterling Correctional Facility in northeastern Colorado told the FBI that Scott and another inmate had solicited him to plan a helicopter escape and murder two people on the outside. In Scott's case, a former business associate. After the inmate's parole in 2017, he continued working with the FBI to get evidence against Scott and the other guy. In September, on the day the escape was supposed to happen, scott and the other inmate who was waiting in the prison yard for the expected helicopter were instead arrested and charged with attempted escape and solution so solicitation i could not say that word to commit murder the latter charge was eventually dropped after the local district attorney was indicted for drug charges but scott pleaded guilty to the attempted escape in 2020 and was sentenced to four years to be served concurrently and transferred to the maximum security Colorado penitentiary outside of Kenyon City. Once he was there, he was placed on a 20-hour lockdown. Now, we do have updates and like aftermath of Scott being arrested, things that happened afterwards. So, Lori McLeod had her marriage to Scott annulled in 2008. At his sentencing, she said that she felt Casey had forgiven her and she was willing then to forgive her killer. She though died in 2019 due to breast cancer Um, but she accepted that she was going to die because it meant that she was going to be reunited with her daughter Casey. Lori also believes full and wholeheartedly that her introducing Casey to Scott was the biggest mistake of her life and scott has since remarried to a woman who is incarcerated in kansas prison for child abuse um and they have never met physically that always rives me out i never understand people who like like serial killers like get married to them after like have this huge like i i have not a fascination with serial killers I have more of a fascination of like what's wrong in their brain and like what makes them do the things that they do um i find it really fucking weird when people find serial killers like attractive or like quirky um and they g- reach out to them to start a like relationship it disgusts me okay so do y'all remember theodore payton from the first part um He is a person that I full-heartedly believe was a nurture over nature, I believe it is. Uh, He's the reason, I think, part of the reason why Scott is the way he is. Um, Theodore Payton, who was the person who sexually assaulted Scott and his brother when they were kids at his grandma's house. um, He ended up dying in 2017. His body was Um, found outside his cabin in Nederland. Um, They believe that the cause was to be heart disease with like other chronic conditions. He served five to seven years um, for sexually abusing Scott and other victims that had come forward but he escaped being required to register as a sex offender until the late 2000s. The 2010 state attorney general election happened in 2010 the state attorney general election happened so a year after scott's sentencing fbi agent garnett became the democratic nominee for colorado attorney general running against republican john soothers uh, garnett ran campaign ads contrasting his office successful prosecution of scott with Southers having a U.S. attorney, as U.S. attorney in 2003, signed the documents authorizing the plea deal that allowed Scott to work as an FBI agent. So, Carnet took the mistake that John Southers did and was like, you don't want him again. Trust me, you do not want him for this. He let a killer go free. Um, When As an FBI informant and let him get away with all of this stuff, this could have been prevented if he had not allowed this to happen. Now, Coet, Scott's cousin, um, at the time of all of this happening, was writing SLK, which was a fictionalized depiction of Scott. Um, And he said, while criticism towards John Southers was legitimate... Garnett also should not rule out blaming some of his own prosecutors in Boulder. Coet argued that Justin Kimball's suspicious 2004 head injury um, should have been more investigated. Like, Garnett's assistant DA could have tried harder to find a second neurologist to examine him and determine whether his memory had been infected. Um, Because in years since, he had continued to recall the incident vividly. And then had another doctor been willing to vouch for the accuracy of Justin's recollections of the event, maybe Adams County was going to be able to develop a case and try Kimball for the assault or even attempted murder on his own son. So now his Scott's own cousin, Coet is saying if your prosecutors had looked into how bad Justin's accident was, it may have been able to prevent even further back So now, Garnett, though, agreed with that, um, which his office and Adams County had both decided that it lacks sufficient, oh my gosh, evidence. um, But it could have turned out differently. um, But ultimately, it introduced them to Scott and made them take a closer look when later frauds came to light. Souther's handling of the cases... Um, was part of a pattern of just poor management when he had been U.S. attorney in charge of a small office of federal prosecutors in the state. Quet said that there was plenty of blame to go around. Like, it's not just John Souther's fault. It's also your fault because you didn't have prosecutors. So, then an FBI internal investigation happened. Um, so, deter- to determine who it, should be blamed for this the fbi's office of professional responsibility or opr launched an internal investigation in 2012 at a hearing in washington um dc carl was harshly criticized for his handling of scott the opr asked why he had not known about the rape and kidnapping charges that larissa had brought against her ex-husband um a about Scott's interest in rape pornography and his taste for prostitutes, Steve Ennis t- also told investigators that he had never he had never asked either Scott or Jennifer to kill a witness against him. Carl said the bureau's investigations of potential informants did not typically reach into those areas. OPR also found fault with his decision to continue using Scott after the Seattle debacle, and he was ultimately suspended. For only three weeks, in my opinion, Carl had to know stuff. Or, like, why are you not checking up him more? Or, why are you not saying something when you can't get a hold of him on the weekend and you only got suspended for three weeks? Um, But then, hmm, on appeal, it was reduced by one week, but Carl's FBI, FBI career was effectively over as no one wanted to testify, like, have him testify and then his superiors in the Denver office didn't even want him working anymore on criminal cases. He did leave the Bureau in 2013, and after working in taxidermy and private security, he returned to law enforcement in 2020 with the Fair Play Police. He believes he was scapegoated for Scott, noting that two other agents ran him first, yet they were not disciplined. But you were the one who said you've not been able to get a hold of him on multiple occasions. You were the one who kept having him go on and on and on. So honestly, at this point... The first two that handled him at first, what did they have to do with it? They weren't even mentioned in the story. Not in the story, I should say. They weren't mentioned in any of the stories I read or articles. Like Their names weren't mentioned about this happening because they had nothing to do with it. Um, Scott's value as an informant was limited, even in the one case where his information did result in a conviction. Um, Arnold Flowers, the Alaska inmate who Scott had claimed was planning to have a witness, a prosecutor, and a judge killed, turned out to have only said that if the witness decided not to take the stand, everything will be fine. So, Scott just made shit up to get out of shit that he did. The jury... Hearing the case convicted him only of the jury that heard the case convicted him of only witness tampering um, for that remark, finding it too ambiguous to support an attempted murder charge, which, yes, very accurate. In 2016, Arnold Flowers was returned to prison after being convicted of wire fraud, um, where he remains there as of 2021. So now we're going to talk about Scott being in prison. So in early 2011, Scott reportedly wrote a lengthy handwritten letter to his family describing in immense detail than he had previously the deaths of all four of his victims. Um, His accounts were slightly different from those that he had previously given. But the FBI did also receive a copy, so the family did turn that over. Scott took responsibility for Leanne's death, which he had previously attributed to someone else, saying that he had shot her twice um, when she tried to escape. While he had early earlier simply claimed to have merely made it possible for someone else to kill Jennifer in another Utah canyon um, and had been present at her death, now he said he had prepared a fatal heroin hot shot. For her, Kimball also, again, um, attributed Casey McLeod's death to drugs, saying she had taken a combination of alcohol, meth, and oxycodone, and then overdosed in his presence near where her body was found. He repeated his earlier confession to killing Terry Kimball. That was all found in this letter that the FBI got. Coet, his cousin, um, discussed the content of the letter to the media. Um... He was encouraged by the letters, noting that although his cousin might not be telling the whole truth, he had admitted to a greater role in the killings than previously. And in Coet's words, he said, he so desperately needs mental health. Coet believed Scott had some sort of religious awakening and was now seeking redemption, which I don't think there's there's no religious awakening in this man. It's all a front. I totally 100% believe that. In a 2021 interview with The activist, Scott offered two more different explanations for Jennifer, well, for the Jennifer, the Leanne, and the Casey killings. At first, he said that the three women were all blackmailing him or that they were threatening to expose his criminal schemes to the FBI, which was the fraud and all that stuff. Later, he claimed the murders were done for a biker gang. His uncle was a child molester, which is why he said he killed him. None of those claims, though, could be corroborated by anybody. The same year, it was reported that Scott had been moved out of the Colorado prison system. The State Department of Corrections confirmed that he was transferred out of state, but not, did not say where he was going. Scott's name no longer Returns any results when searched in the department's websites. A search of the Federal Bureau of Prisons website found that he had been moved to the United States Penitentiary um, Coloman in Central Florida. No reason, though, was given for the move. So that is Scott. You can find more about him on the CBS News series, 48 Hours. Um, The episode is Hannibal Unmasked, which was originally aired April of 2010. The NBC News series Dateline um, aired another telling the story on September 21st, 2018. With updates since the cbs version and then id channel has a show called evil lives here it's season five episode three it's called evil undercover which originally aired january 13th of 2019 so now that we're done with colorado with scott lee kimball um we're next week talking or this upcoming week whenever i get the chance to finish my research and record it um we're talking about connecticut with william Devin howell um so i'm really excited about that i am hoping hundred and ten percent to at least have this one out by um let's see this one will be posted tomorrow i'm hopefully gonna get it posted by wednesday afternoon wednesday night because i work monday until like the evening and then I work early Tuesday morning and I get off a little bit later like I get off at 5 so I'm hoping and I have Wednesday off so I'm hoping that I can get it done in that time Um, but I'm really excited for that one I actually have never heard of William Devon Howell um, but he popped up as one of Connecticut's most notorious killers so I'm excited to learn about him Um, and get the best information out to you guys. But honestly, that is all I have for today. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. I can't wait to talk to you guys on Wednesday. Um, And just, you know, be kind to people and love each other. All right, you guys have a wonderful day. Bye!